very good to have everyone out this morning as we continue our study on the Sermon of the Mount. Uh, last week we had started um, part one of "Do Not Be a Part of," uh, "Do Not Be a Hypocrite," and so this morning we're going to bring a part, uh, part two. And then overall, this is our eighth lesson from the Sermon on the Mount. Last week, we read of the, the greatest commandment. The, the greatest commandment that Jesus said was, was that we love the Lord our, our God with all our heart, mind, and soul. The second greatest commandment, Jesus said, Matthew chapter 22, verse 39, and the second is likened unto it, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And so it's your attitude towards man. The Pharisees lack compassion on their fellow man. The many of the things that we're going to look at this morning, we're going to see that they twisted the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, the bottom six commandments of the Ten, and they were causing the men, the men and women of God to sin against God. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 19, as Frank had read for us this morning, whosoever shall break one of these least commandments. See, if those are the greatest commandments, those two, really all the other commandments would be least to those. Would, would, they would follow suit shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven but whosoever shall do and teach them the same shall be great in the kingdom of heaven and so we cannot teach the word of God to others but then break the word of God and that's what the Pharisees did now in some instances they were breaking the law of God and they were teaching others to break the law of God and so Jesus is trying to tell them, do not be like the Pharisees. And so the next set of the least commandments would be man's relationship with uh, man. Um, we, we talked about that even before we started this lesson. That was like the, the, tie, the, the tail end of on the law and the prophets. And so uh, point number one this morning would be the, the commandment given to honor what? Thy mother and father. See, because as a child, that's our first interaction would be with our parents. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, Honor thy father and thy mother, that the days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And so, for you to keep the, the promised land, you need to honor your father and your mother. Mark chapter 7 verse 10 for Moses said honor thy father and thy mother and whoso curseth father or mother let him die the death and so they were to honor their parents they were not to treat them harshly they were not to uh, speak cursings against their mother and father it had the, the penalty of death In Mark chapter 7, verse 11, now Jesus is going to tell them how they're handling this commandment. But ye say, not God, not Moses, ye, you, 
If a man shall say to his father and mother, it is Corbin, that is to say a gift, whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And so what does that mean? Instead of caring for their elderly parents, they would vow their money to God as a gift, thus freeing themselves from the burden of their parents. Because the Pharisees said, if you give this gift and call it Corbin, you don't have to take care of it. You're free to take care of your elderly parents. They're not honoring their father and mother, and they're not really honoring God. They're doing it to get out of their responsibility. Mark chapter 7, verse 12, And ye suffer, that means allow, him no more to do aught for his father or mother. See? Give this gift, you, you don't have to take care of your parents. <clears throat> Mark chapter 7, verse 13, making the word of God what? Of none effect through your tradition. It's not what God taught, it's what you're teaching. When you have delivered, and many such like things do ye. See, this wasn't the only thing that they're doing wrong, as we're going to see this morning. Guess who made a tradition that went against God's commandments? Mark chapter 7, verse 1, Then came together on him the Pharisees, and certain of the scribes. The scribes would know the law because they're the ones writing it down. Which came from Jerusalem. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 4. Well, what about widows? Now, that would be an elderly parent that no longer has their spouse. But if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents. Not give a gift and say, I no longer owe anything to you. No, they're to uh, requite their payments, they're, uh, their parents. They're to, to serve their parents as their parents once served them as a child, for that is good and acceptable before God. But notice, it didn't just relate to her children. If, if she has... Uh, nephews, they were to take care of that with him. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 16, if any man or woman that believeth have widows, and so if there's any believer, a Christian, and there's widows in the family, you relieve them. Let them relieve them. Take care of them. And let not the church be charged. Why? that it, the church, may relieve them that are widows indeed. So God's making a distinction between widows and widows that are in need. The widow indeed may be supported by the congregation. The church may relieve them. Okay, so we need to know who, who qualifies as a widow indeed. In, in First Timothy chapter 5, verse 9, it says, Let not a widow be taken into number under three scores years old, having been the wife of one woman. And so what does that tell us? She is 60 years old or older. If, if, she die, if her spouse dies before the age of 60, she's not to be a burden to the church. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 10, what else has to be of this lady? Well reported of for good works. She has to be a servant. If she had brought up children, if she uh, 
in our case, maybe taught Bible classes and stuff to children? If she had lodged strangers, in this day and time, that may be a little more hard to do. If she had washed the saints' feet, it's just that servant attitude. If she had relieved the afflicted, if she had diligently followed every good work. But she has to be a servant. She has to have good works. We talked about so many times the church has to have good works. We as Christians have to have our own good works. And so for her to be a widow indeed, she has to have her good works. She has to be, have that servant attitude. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 5. Now she that is a widow indeed, watch, and desolate, trusteth in God, and continueth in supplication and prayers night and day. Desolate, that means truly alone. No children, no family. Faithful to God daily, that would include the Lord's Day, the assembling of the saints. She has to be 60. She has to have good works. She truly has to be on her own. And she has to be what? Faithful to God. That's the most important thing I believe out of all of them is that she's faithful to God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Well, how is another way for us to honor our parents? But even from a child, we should be honoring our parents. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. God expects us to be obedient children to Him, and He expects our children to be obedient to us. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Paul's giving Timothy the warning. This know also that in the last days we live in the last days. It's the last dispensation of time we live in the Christian age. Perilous times shall come. It's guaranteed that it will happen. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Well, if obedience is right to God, disobedience would be not right unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heedy, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. And so if we have... Uh, Christians that are disobedient to their parents when they're still living under the house, we are to what? Turn away from them. Because they're disobedient. They're not pleasing to God. And if we do not correct the problem when they're in the house, the chances of them becoming good moral uh, citizens in the world is going to be very hard. Point number two this morning, we're going to look at the commandment, Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not kill. Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. Moses wrote, Thou shalt not kill. Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 22. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill. And whoever shall kill shall be danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, 
locked up, or I think it's locked up, shall be in the danger of the council. But who shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. And so notice angry without cause. That's what Jesus says. If you're angry with a brother without cause, you are in danger of the judgment. That would be the, their court system. In Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 8, God had set up a, a law and order. Judges and officers shalt thou make thee in all thy gates, which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Therefore thy tribes, and they shall judge the people with just judgment. That's key. Just judgment, not hypocritical judgment. Even we're told to judge with righteous judgment, just judgment. That word raka comes from the Greek word. Uh, it, it's pretty much the same, uh, uh, pronounced the same raka. O empty one, an example would be worthless. And so calling someone worthless. That counsel there would be, it comes from the Greek word, it's the Sanhedrin, uh, but it comes from Sanhedrin. That's that suit. Jewish Sanhedrin council, that's who Jesus went, went before. That, that council that didn't give just judgment. Um, that's who Paul went before, that he went before the Sanhedrin council. That word fool comes from the Greek word moros. It means dull or stupid. An uh, example, heedless, morally blockhead, apparently absurd, fool, foolish, foolishness. And so calling your uh, brother without cause stupid is what? It says danger of hellfire. That hell there, the Greek word for hell is Gehenna. That is that everlasting fire, the second death. And so, again, as we looked at last week about using the Lord's name in vain, and that we're going to be used for, judged on all idle words, we've got to pick our words carefully and be careful not to call someone stupid. Jesus says that you are in danger of Gehenna hellfire. Well, what did uh, Jesus say of the Pharisees? John chapter 8, verse 44, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your fathers will ye do. Well, what did he do? He was a murderer. From the beginning, and abode not in the truth, so he was a liar. Because there's no truth in him, when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. You're going to do the, the deeds of your father, the devil. That's what the Pharisees were wanting to do. What did the Pharisees seek? In John chapter 8, verse 40, right before that, Jesus says, But now ye seek to kill me. Thou shalt not kill, but you're seeking to kill me. A man that had told you the truth, which I have heard of God, this did not Abraham. Why did they seek to kill him? In Matthew chapter 27, verse 17, Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you? Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? Verse 18, For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. Envy. 
It was without cause that they hated Jesus Christ. Jesus is trying to correct the teachings of the Pharisees. He is teaching them how to handle conflicts with all men to love their neighbors as themselves. Matthew chapter 5, verse 24. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar. And so we have to keep it in the context. We're still dealing with the Old Testament here. The laws of the Old Testament. And there remembers that thy brother hath ought against thee. And so if your brother has brought something against thee that you have sinned against them, what were they to do? Matthew chapter 5, verse 24, Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. Well, what are they to do? First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. If we have sin among our brotherhood, we should handle that sin before we come in here thinking we can offer gifts to God. What about someone other than a brother? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 25, it says, Agree with thine adversary quickly while thou art in the way with him. And so if you have a disagreement with someone on the outside, you should handle that. Why? Lest at any time that adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Make amends before it gets to court, which may leave you being thrown in prison. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 26, Verily I say unto thee, Thou shalt by no means come out thence from what? Prison, till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. And so it would be better to reconcile why you have, you can have reconciliation, because once it goes to court, it's no longer in your hands, it's in the judge's hand, or the jury's hand. Point number three this morning. Thou shalt not commit adultery. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 14, thou shalt not commit adultery. Very plain. Matthew chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. It has been said, not that it's written, it's been said, whoever shall put away his wife, let him give her writing of divorcement. That's what y'all were saying. But I say unto you, that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. Matthew chapter 19, verse 3, The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? They asked the question, trying to trap Jesus. Jesus is saying that whoever divorces their spouse without it being because of fornication is in danger of committing adultery. The Pharisees were allowing it to be so. How do we know? In Matthew chapter 19, verse 7, they say on him, why did Moses then command it? Command to give a writing divorcement and to put her away. Remember what Jesus' response is going to be because of the hardness of your heart. By them not understanding the law clearly on marriage, they were causing people to commit adultery. Uh, here's a letter of divorcement. 
And then what? The lady was remarrying, and once she remarried, because it wasn't for fornication, she became an adulterer, and so did her spouse. I'm not going to go into too much detail because we had a, a pretty extensive uh, lesson on this uh, a few sermons ago, probably a couple months ago, on uh, marriage, divorce, and remarriage. But it's being handled in the Sermon of the Mount. That tells us it's very important. He has this multitude of people there, and he is very concerned about these things that are happening. And so the only biblical reason for divorcement is fornication. If a man puts away his wife for any other cause, both the man and the woman must what? Remain unmarried. If she or he remarries after that, he or she has now committed adultery. Why? Because in God's eyes, she is still married to her first husband. Because Jesus said, what God has adjoined, let not man put asunder. It's a three-way contract. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 and 28, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her, have committed adultery with her already in his heart. And so what is Jesus saying? How are you to keep from committing adultery? Jesus is not saying we can't look at the opposite sex. He says we can't look at them and begin to lust after them. Because we've already committed adultery in our heart, and now all we need is opportunity. It is to keep our hearts pure from evil thoughts. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, uh, Paul's writing to the Philippians. He says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatever, whatsoever things are, are good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Get the good things in and put the bad things out. Don't lust over the woman in your heart. Point number four, thou shalt not steal. Exodus chapter 20, verse 15, thou shalt not steal. And so a thief is very dishonest. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 12, Paul says that ye may walk honestly towards them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. Well, if you walk uh, dishonestly, now you're going to lack things. And so how are you going to obtain those things? You're going to steal. You're going to take. And so if there's things that we desire, we must walk honestly. Well, the only way that we can do that is by working. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11, that you, be, that you study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. If you want to be honest, you're going to work. You're going to give an honest day's pay, uh, work for an honest day's pay. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, in his second letters to the Thessalonians, for even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. The man who refuses to do an honest day work should lack his wants. His needs. Why? It goes all the way back to the garden. 
Genesis chapter 3, verse 19, we've been told when, when, Mo, when uh, Adam was given the curse, in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return on the ground, for out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. We've been told as a generation of mankind that we're going to have to work for our food. And it goes back to the garden, their disobedience. What did the Pharisees do? Matthew chapter 23, verse 14. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. They were robbing the widows, taking advantage of the widows by taking all that they had and then making a long prayer on their behalf. And so they were taking advantage of the widows. Matthew chapter 23, verse 25. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and, the, and of the platter, but within they are full of what? Extortion and excess. Point number five this morning, thou shalt not bear false witness. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 16, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. In Exodus chapter 23, verse 1, thou shalt not raise a false report. That's what a false witness is. Put not thy hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. A false report is a lie. Lying is unrighteous. He's telling them, do not do this. In Proverbs chapter 24, verse 28, be not a witness against thy neighbor without cause, and deceive not with thy lips. That would be a false witness. Don't go against your neighbor without a cause. Our words are words of deception. In Exodus chapter 23, verse 2, Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil, neither shalt thou speak in a cause to decline after many to rest judgment. And so what is he saying? Don't get caught up in a witch hunt. Speaking against someone to twist the outcome against them because you want evil to happen to them, and so you'll twist and you'll make up lies. You'll give false witness. You'll give a false report. Matthew chapter 26, verse 59. Now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witnesses against Jesus to put him to death. Many of which were Pharisees. Time and time again you're going to read, and from this time they sought to seek and kill Jesus. It may say destroy, but that destroy means to kill him. Point number uh, six, thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not covet. When we read this covetedness, when you covet, you're going to break one of the other commandments we just, we just went over. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. What your neighbor has, don't want it. If you want it, work for it. 
We've already covered that. And so what about covering a man's house or land? 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 1, it came to pass after these things that Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard, was it which was in Jezreel, hard by the place of Ahab, king of Samaria. Okay, so Naboth had this vineyard. It was next to the king's land, King Ahab. In 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 2, and Ahab spake unto Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard. He coveted it. That I may have it for a garden of herb, because it is near unto my house, and I will give thee for a better vineyard than it. Or if it seems good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. And so he coveted it, the Naboth's vineyard. However, he didn't want to steal it. He wanted to borrow it, or he wanted to pay for it. However, Naboth is going to tell him no. And then a. Uh, Ahab is going to pout about it, and his wife's going to take, she's going to take matters in her own hand. Jezebel. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal and sent the letters on to the elders and to the nobles that were in his city dwelling with Naboth. She's providing lies. She's taking stuff that is Ahab and is... Um, Presenting it as her, uh, that that is coming from him. Identity theft. And she wrote in the letter saying, Proclaim a fast, and set Naboth on high among the people, and set two men, sons of Belial, before him to bear witness against him. She, she wanted false witnesses. Saying, Thou didst blaspheme God and the king, and then carry him out and stone him that he may die. And so Jezebel wanted to uh, wanted wicked men, that sons of Belial, that's what they are, they're wicked, to bear false witness against Naboth so he would be killed. In 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 15, and it came to pass when Jezebel heard that Naboth was stoned, her, her desires happened and was dead, that Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, which he refused to give thee for money, for Naboth is not alive but dead. Covetous led to false witness, which led to murder and theft because he took the vineyard. He didn't earn the vineyard. How about covet your, covet your neighbor's wife? And y'all know what story I'm going to here. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 2, And it came to pass in the evening time that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. He's already committed adultery because he had lust. Second Samuel uh, chapter 11, verse 3, And David sent and inquired after the woman, asked who she was, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? He didn't know that it was not another man's wife. He knew. Second Samuel chapter 11, verse 4, And David sent messengers and took her. And she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. He took, he stole another man's wife 
So he committed adultery, fornication. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 14 and 15, and it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Johab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set by Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retire you from him that he may be smitten and die. And so David had Uriah murdered. Covetousness left a theft because I'm not saying she was merchandise, but he took another man's wife. He took the sanctity of marriage. He committed adultery and it led to murder. What did the Pharisees covet? They sought to be elevated, to be seen by all. We, we looked at that some last week. Uh, Matthew chapter 23, verse 6. And love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues. They wanted all eyes on them. Look at me, look at me. They sought man's praise. John chapter 12, verse 43. For they love the praise of man more than the praise of God. They sought followers. Acts chapter 13, verse 45, When the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. They didn't seek to glorify God. They sought to glorify self. Our last point this morning is point number seven. The point Jesus is trying to instill to his listeners got to put my, my animation. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, but for those taking notes, they're like, oh, I'm glad it's all up there at one time. Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. For I say unto you, this is the other verse that Frank read for us, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of who? Of the scribes and Pharisees. Ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Well, how is our righteousness going to exceed Matthew chapter 23, verse 2, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. So they're teaching the law. But do not ye after their words. But they weren't doing the law. They were hypocrites. For they say and they do not. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 19, this is what we started with. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments, Talking about the commandments of uh, Moses. And shall teach men so. He shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But who shall ever what? Do and teach them. The same shall be great in the kingdom of heaven. And so God wants those men that are teaching. Those women who are teaching. To be doers. Don't just speak it. Do it. Just as Ezra, Ezra was a doer and a teacher of God's law. In Ezra chapter 7, verse 10, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel's statutes and judgment. He was a doer first, and he had to prepare himself to be able to be a doer. He had to prepare himself to be a teacher. And I'm upset I forgot to put these animations in here. Matthew chapter 5, verse 29 and if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is proper for thee that one of thy members should perish 
and not thy whole body should be cast into hell. Well, God, uh, Jesus is not telling us to do uh, inflict harm on ourselves. It's the uh, mindset that we should have. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 14, Peter writes, Having eyes full of adultery, and that cannot cease from sin. So that's spiritual adultery. Well, how are they prevent, uh, committing it? It's because they won't cease from sinning. They think by the, great, the mercy and grace of God, their sins are going to be forgiven. They don't have to change their way of life. Beguiling unstable souls. So there we see trickery, lies, and heart they have exercised with covetous practices. Cursed children. What do we need to do? How do we need to uh, make it so that our eyes won't offend? In Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, we are to set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. We are to look to the hereafter and not what's here presently. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 30, And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And so it sounds very extreme. But Jesus is saying, if that's the only way you can do it, cut your hand off, because it'd be better to be maimed than to live a life in torment. Well, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, Paul's going to tell you how to combat this as well. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil... Com oh, that's that word again. There you go. Uh, I hope y'all heard Frank. Um, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things save the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. And so what do we do? We are to mortify our members. Well, how do we do that? First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. But this is what Paul, this is how he did it. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. And so he's saying what? Don't be a hypocrite. I've preached you the way but then I'm going to choose a different way, well, then I'm going to be a castaway because God's going to reject me at the end. And so, God does not want his people to be hypocrites. He does not want us changing the law so that we don't become hypocrites, but then we change the law and we become God ourselves. That's what we were talking about in the first lesson. We have no authority to change the word of God. What the Word of God says is what we must do because these are the words that we're going to be judged by. And so, if you're not a Christian, God desires you to become one. That's the only... In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh upon the Father but by me. And so you have to do it by Jesus' terms that are laid out in the Word of God. The only way you're going to know that is by the Word of God, hearing the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. That's how we build our faith. Our faith is the only way that we can please God, Hebrews 11, 6. And so we build our faith. We're building our faith that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The very thing that the Pharisees wanted to kill him for was because he was trying to show him who he was so they too could have life in the hereafter. And so our faith is in that. In John chapter 3, verse uh, 
16, we, 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 must, we must believe that Jesus Christ, uh, by believing on Him, we have life through His name. And then we must see that our course of action is wrong, and that leads one to repentance. That's what Paul, uh, Peter told them on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. He told them to repent. We are told all men everywhere to repent. And so repentance is a must, because you must quit serving self, and you must serve God. And so many of those things may be some of the, the old Ten Commandments as we had looked at, even though that law is being taken away, those, those principles are still in place. You still can't kill. You still can't steal. You still can't covet. And, and so you still need to honor your mother and your father. And so we are to live according to God's will. Then you must confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Romans 10, 9 and 10 is the confession made unto salvation. And then you must allow someone to immerse you in water to have your sins washed away, Acts 22, 16. Then you begin to serve and live for God from that day forward. If we're found faithful at the end, we have been promised a crown of life, Revelation 2, 10. But God knows that the flesh is weak. And sometimes we don't mortify our members. We don't bring our body into subjection and we have those moments of weakness and we sin against God. Every sin is against God. And so God has allowed, uh, we call it like the second law of pardon, He has allowed Christians that are try, striving to live faithfully to come back to Him. But even if you become unfaithful, He allows you to come back to Him. And so if you have become unfaithful or you have allowed sin to uh, cause um, reproach against the church, uh, if you'll come to the front in either instance um, we'll, and we'll try to help you uh, lead that life from the uh, from this day forward. If we can help you in either way, if you'll come to the front together.